courtesy of Macworld. Thought it would be a fun one to go through. Fun one to go over. Top 10 worst Apple products of all time. Ooh. You know the audience loves something like this. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Lou, why was, why was uh, out to get Apple? Why was it? Uh, no, man. It's I told you this guy. I told everybody this in the past. I'm not out to get it. It's the reason that people click on something like that is because they're so dominant. It's precisely because they're so successful that they can handle a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. you, you, there's nothing worse than somebody or something that's very, very successful but can't have a laugh at their own expense. Right. You see, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. A little bit of uh, <laughs> balance. Yeah. You know. A little bit of heat. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be able to make fun of yourself here and there. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it happens to the best of us, even the biggest companies in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's wonderful because as humans, it reminds us, you can't knock it out of the park every time. Mm -hmm. A successful player in baseball, they hit the ball three out of ten times. Yeah. Three out of ten at bats, they get a hit. Right? Really? That's a 300 average. That's a good player in MLB. Yeah. That's a professional player. That's the best you can achieve. Uh -huh. I mean, there's been people batted 400 like once upon a time, but sure. even that, four out of 10 times. Mm -hmm. And then we get this uh, idea in our heads because of social media and the, the world and maybe the education system. It's all or nothing. It's perfect or I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Get out of my face with that. You know how many times I screwed up, Will? You know how many times I failed, man? Too many to count. It's wonderful. I mean, it's such a thing where I almost, and this is going to sound weird, I almost enjoy failing to a certain extent because I feel like I extract that information. By extracting that feeling of failure in that moment, that that information is now yours to own. Yeah. There's, and, a, there's a learned experience. And if you didn't have a pain associated with the failure, the scar wouldn't exist yeah. as the reminder. And it'll sting that much more once you do it again, if you do it again. Oh yeah, or or you never gather that information in the first place because you never tried. Yeah, which is even worse. Yeah, failure and pain. There could be lessons in those things, mm. even for a company like Apple. And so that's where we're at today. We're going to discuss some of their failures, or at least what MacWorld is calling. The 10 worst Apple products of all time. We can see if we agree or disagree. Hmm. Kick it off with the Apple USB mouse, the hockey puck mouse. This is from an old iMac, the colorful iMac. I agree with this. I had, I think I played with this computer in a computer lab once upon a time. It's still, it's a terrible mouse. Hmm. Funny. It's circular. It was circular. Oh, yeah, it was the shape of a hockey puck. Right. It came alongside. The Bondi Blue iMac G3. The circular shape was a catastrophic disaster of design. <laughs> catastrophic? That's right. It was that bad. That's right. It almost ended the company. Oh. But no, I, I actually, I do recall people replacing that mouse just with like a, a, a more t traditional mouse because that thing was such a nightmare to use. I mean, it looked cool, yeah. obviously. 
but that's not enough when it comes to amounts that you handle on a daily basis. Uh, funny enough, not in this list, but comes to mind now because of this mouse, the more recent mouse that Apple makes, the Magic Mouse, but how it charges. Right. A lot of people have uh, made fun of that in the past, how weird it is that the charge port for the wireless mouse is on the bottom, so you have to flip it upside down. <laughs> I mean, it looks very strange when it's charging. Hmm. However, even with that mouse, I have a lot of problems. I don't like that mouse at all, personally. I like a beefier, I mean, like you've seen these things lying around all over the place. I like a substantial mouse. But even that mouse, it's not the worst thing in the world because you don't have to charge it that frequently. Mm -hmm. So, but it's obviously still not great. Yeah. Next up, we have the thing that I've complained about about a billion times, so I don't really need to go into it. It is the Siri remote, the remote for the mm. uh, recent Apple TVs. This is so easy to lose. It's got a touch-based interface with this tiny little touchpad. I don't need to go into it all over again because no. you've heard me out on this. This thing has... Apparently, they're reworking this, though. There, there's another example. You see, you learn something. Mm -hmm. Customer feedback, your own experiences after the thing's been on the market for a while. You make your adjustments. This next one, I had no clue about. It was some sort of a, uh online service similar like to AOL. AOL, yeah. That they did. I guess it was called MobileMe, eWorld.Mac, MobileMe. I have no experience with this. When was this? Apple hardly put any effort into eWorld at all. It was an easy project to put on the company's chopping block in 1996. So who even remembers such a thing like this? iPod, okay, so they put the iPod Hi-Fi in here. I might not agree with this one because I feel like this product, for the time in the landscape of wireless speakers that were out there, it actually sounded pretty good. Oh, yeah? You had one of these? Uh, did I have one or did I, I think I was actually working at a shop at the time uh. and we had it on display alongside some of the uh, Bose competition. Now this thing was heavy and big. And so people were like, that is that a portable speaker? What's the deal here? It was about 17 pounds. Uh. But I remember listening to it and saying, man, for an all-in-one speaker, of course you don't have any stereo separation or anything, but for an all-in-one speaker, I was like, this is this sounds pretty good coming off your iPod. And at the time, it was like, how do you get your iPod into a speaker? Mm -hmm. You would need an auxiliary cable and a setup that had an auxiliary input. This actually looks pretty nice. You just plug it on top. That's it. That's it. And that was the 30-pin connector, which was right. at the heart of all kinds of accessories at the time. It did seem a little expensive at the time at 350 uh, And then obviously, it lacked some versatility because... It was relying on this 30-pin connector. I don't remember if there was a secondary input. You had touch controls for volume, but I didn't mind this product. I think the problem was that this market exploded. And even to this day, we were just talking about them getting rid of the big HomePod mm -hmm. because it's just so competitive. There's so many choices when it comes to speakers, portable, Bluetooth, wireless, that Apple's just like, we don't even need to be involved in such a thing. Right. Never mind having to have these things stacked up on shelves. They're huge in the Apple store. Mm -hmm. Real estate's a premium, and they're like, our profit margin's not even that good. So anyway, it's obvious to me that there's plenty of reasons why you would stop doing it, but this product doesn't feel like a mega fail to me like the others. I mean, the next one is an absolute mega fail, which was the butterfly keyboard. 
again, it's been covered extensively over here on this show. And this just, I mean, I personally had problems with it. I don't remember how many units, maybe three units. You have to, you have to understand in this studio, there's a lot of units going around. So it's not like, uh, like our actual sample size was quite large to begin with, but still it was a high failure rate. Mm -hmm. This thing was so sensitive to any type of particle. I didn't mind typing on it, to be clear. It yes. was for something that was so low profile. It was kind of amazing how you still got a tactile feel out of it, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it couldn't it couldn't stick around. It just wasn't durable enough. Yeah. So it's uh, one of their biggest failures, and one of their biggest failures recently. They had to re replace so many of them, and then essentially end up going completely backwards and going to the old design, which is where they're at now on the 16-inch MacBook and well, all the new MacBooks, the all the M1 MacBooks and everything else. There's a there's a service program in place, by the way, if you have one of these, and so definitely go get it fixed up. the uh, The next one is the initial launch of Apple Maps which was a bit of a disaster. I don't know if you recall. Yeah. The initial um, launch. I don't, I mean, I never used it, but I heard it was, uh, it was quite disastrous. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it's an ambitious thing. You build a mapping. Is that Las Vegas, by the way? I'm trying to figure out where, what city is that is. It, lo it looks like Las Vegas, but. Outdoor. Um, yeah. Elevator. Yeah, it definitely is. Super ambitious project, a mapping project, and going up against the likes of Google, massive mm -hmm. data company. But yeah, it was turning people into dead ends. It was, uh, as you can see here, the 3D view was, was like a bad, was like a flood, or a, it was like everything's made of wax and crayons and melting. It was, it was not a good look. It has improved quite a bit since this initial launch. That's important to note. Still not my mapping application of choice, but what's cool about this failure is it's an ongoing one that you can go and fix up and improve, mm -hmm. unlike some other products that you just ditch altogether. Oh, this one is recent. AirPods Max Smart Case. Right. You know... You had thoughts about this. Well, did I? I don't even remember what my thoughts were. I've used... Okay, my experience with the AirPods Max has gone up and down. There's some things I really like about them, and then there's other things I hate about them. Uh, but for me, it's an at-home type of headphone. It's so heavy. Mm. It's so heavy that well, I didn't even want to wear it on this show for like an hour or whatever it is. It's great for a phone call or something. The transparency mode is awesome. The integration with other Apple products is so seamless. Mm. So there's some nice advantages going the materials the fit and finish all this kind of stuff definitely the case is a is a loss it's so much of a loss that people went out of their way to go buy and spend a ton of money on a third-party case even though they already bought a 550 dollars pair of headphones mm -hmm. so that tells you what you need to know about the case and then it had the battery issues as well that the sleep mode triggering and looking like a purse and just i don't know it's, it became a meme this thing but ultimately, it's just a component within the product. It's not the whole product. I think that's important to know. As much as the case became a meme, the AirPods Max live independently of the case that they ship in. Mm -hmm. They're just too heavy for me. 
I'm a guy who I'm very, I'm very particular about my headphones. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those uh, situations where you watch a lot of the content that comes out around a product launch. And it's a lot of people rushing to give feedback because the hype is really high. And so people are, are, are trying to get videos out quickly. And by quickly, by the way, I don't mean the day of. You, of course, you're going to have the videos the day of. But I'm talking like months after. I'm talking, this is one of the problems with the whole YouTube thing. Is that it's what you really need as a customer if this stuff was real is what you really need is somebody like six months later. But you don't even care about the product six months later because you're hype, because you're a tech fan. Mm-hmm. Yet the life cycle of these products, how long you're expected to own a $550 pair of headphones, it's years. You really need to see to, to hear from somebody who has a variety of headphones over years to say, okay, here's what I noticed that after time started to be annoying to me, mm-hmm. which may not have been annoying even for myself within like a week or something, or I just didn't, use it in the exact fashion that turned out to be annoying. But no one can make that content. Or if you do make that content, it's for a small audience because by the time you're ready to put it out, a lot of the hype wore off. Mm-hmm. And, and guess what happens when the hype wears off? The views wear off. And then so there's just this almost unconscious movement towards speed, earliness, having something to say right away, in exchange for the real long-term experience of having had something. People do do follow-ups. I'm not, there's nothing against it. People do do follow-ups. The content exists. But by that time, many people have made up their mind on a purchasing decision because they want to participate, be an early adopter, which is part of this segment, mm-hmm. which I'm a part of that too. So it's just, I'm just saying, that's one of the areas where this thing, don't get the misconception about what this thing is. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Just be aware of, of, of the fact that you're, there's a limited amount of information can be transmitted to you during the hype cycle. Mm-hmm. You take what you get during the hype cycle, but don't misconstrue it for anything but a hype cycle. Yes. Everything is controlled and managed and the content's hitting you and you see the embargoes and you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you just be aware of it. That like this, this, this stuff serves a purpose mm-hmm. in that moment. But the the case, I don't know anyone that's really defending the case. I wonder if Apple would consider it a failure or not. I don't know whose. I don't know whose agenda it was internally. This case, they might tweak it. Honestly, I think that the, the headphone itself is so luxurious and feels so um, not fragile is not the right word, but it just feels like a thing that you want to baby or protect. Mm-hmm. It does not feel like a thing that you want to leave lying around for, for whatever reason. It's maybe the weight of it, the materials, the polishing, things like this. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think the real move here is just a real case. Yeah. Just just cover the whole thing. Like, you know, there's, there's certain elements in a headphone that's exposed here. Yeah. You want to travel with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. keep it in your bag. Yeah. They might have to just go back to the, to the, the full case. But who knows? Maybe they don't even touch it. They just let the third party companies sell you that case. That moment. 
All right, the next one is the Mac Pro 2013. I was the owner of this product. I think I spec'd out like some crazy one at the time for the content. Yeah. I think it was like 15 grand or something. It had like terabyte of storage, SSD storage, which was big at the time, something like that. Where is it now? I don't know. <laughs> is it on a shelf somewhere? Yeah. I had maybe. to, whatever the best GPU you could get at the time was. Um, look at these things. They still cost you a few dollars. I actually, I actually sent one back. I had one with some issues with the GPU, likely heat related, because it wasn't there. I mean, it was a very ambitious design for something with that spec sheet. Mm -hmm. A little trash can that could. But uh, obviously, not a massive success in every in every way, or they wouldn't have departed from it in such a strong fashion like they did going to the old design essentially yeah that's actually a couple that's a trend there sort of isn't it when we talk about the keyboard and then them going back to an older design sensing that what they were trying to do didn't work out with the mac pro again you learn something you you fail maybe it's not such a hit maybe you see problems that arise over time due to due to cooling and then you just say you know what we're going to give that pro part of the market essentially our traditional build, mm -hmm. which is what they went back to. So, again, I appreciate those moves being made. How about a little bit of fun here? Do you recall such a thing called the iPod sock? Is it a sock? For your iPod. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you remember no, this? No, I, I don't remember. I'm... Some of these ones, as we get further down this list, I'm trying to, you almost forget about them because they didn't, they were, they were so short-lived. Mm. I think this is one of those examples. iPad socks uh, came out in December 2004. Fit any iPod or device of that size and shape. They were 29 bucks and sold in a pack of six. <laughs> oh. I don't know, a stocking stuffer? The problem with these type of cases is you got to pull it out every time to use the thing. Yeah. Now, and do you put it into your pocket? Yeah. I'm starting to think that this could have been a reaction to the scratching chrome on the back of that generation mm -hmm. iPod. That people noticed that the chrome got so scratched up, they were like, okay, now I go in a sock, then in the pocket. Mm. The chrome looked great, but it did. It scratched right away. Yes. Anyway, that did that thing didn't didn't last long, did it? What is this? Yet, and as implausible as it may seem, the iPod socks continue to be sold by Apple until 2012. Wow, the most sold product. <laughs> wow, so some they still it, it lived Very for eight years. The successful. iPod socks. I would not have expected that array of colors. But I never saw anyone in real life who used such a thing. No, never saw it. This next one I sort of forget too. iPod Shuffle third gen. Mm. That device looks like a prototype, like not even a real thing, but it was a real thing. It was 59 bucks. Oh. 59 bucks. Apple took the shuffle part to heart and removed all buttons from the face of the device. It moved all of the controls to the headphone cord, which meant you had to use Apple's earbuds only. 
It was incredibly small. It was easy to misplace. Oh, wow. That is small. And it held a thousand songs on it. Another thing that I completely forgot existed. Actually, though, it was kind of a cool idea. If you think about the way that people listen to music now, hmm. a lot of people just throw on like a some sort of a playlist or even a live stream of music. It's just kind of random. They just want a rough genre. And if you think about the shuffle concept of not needing to select or have uh, an inventory of music or a collection of music, it's kind of cool to just yeah. turn it on and play. Yeah. And they were a bit ahead of that, but ultimately it was the management. They didn't have the music service, so you were still having to manage your MP3s and or AAC files, whatever, and get them onto here in order for them to shuffle. I guess it would be limited control because you would have the uh, the earphones. You would have next, like skip. Earpods. You would have skip a track. Control, yeah. For example, volume. Well, obviously volume, but volume and skip a track. Sure, yeah. And I think you could use it not in a shuffle mode. So you could have it shuffled through the playlist or you could have it in order of how the playlist was predetermined. Right. So anyway, there you have it. Those are ten of Apple's worst products of all time, according to Macworld. Uh which one do you pick as the absolute worst, Will? Definitely not the sock. You like the sock. <laughs> No, it would it would have to be the sock. I, I the sock is the worst. Yeah, I mean, I can't see the myself. So, the or sock is worse than the it. circular mouse. Imagine using that every day; you might die. Well, that had like some sort of utility to it, right? I know, but the sock—if you buy the sock, let's say you can't wear the sock. But but if, let's say you buy the sock, and you're like, "What am I doing? This sock is terrible." Right. Well, it's like 20 bucks. You put the sock to the side. You buy this computer and you got the puck mouse and you're dying. <laughs> yeah. And then like I can't run anything. You're I'm very like, upset. You're very upset about that. Yeah. I uh, guess you would choose the puck mouse. As the worst one? Uh, let me see. Oh, there's more. Oh, maybe it's the remote, right? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know what? You heard me about the remote, but the remote does still function. It functions enough so that I wasn't like, okay, I absolutely got to replace this. The puck mouse, I would have to replace it right away. I, I couldn't get anything done with that. Okay. I, that would drive me crazy. I hear you. So I'm going to put the puck mouse at the top. Mm -hmm. Today's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Kind of funny is them today because I was actually just using ExpressVPN. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some content that I need to get region lock content uh -huh. and uh, i i just pop on express vpn and sometimes you're concerned okay i'm on a vpn now what's my speed gonna look like am i gonna get is it gonna be buffering what about the the uh image quality resolution things like this on the content that i'm watching but it was just it, like that eh? it was beautiful it's butter hmm. it was a wonderful experience and I had it, so I had the thing playing, and then I airplayed it uh -huh. to the big screen as well. It was a lovely, seamless, nice. seamless VPN experience, courtesy of ExpressVPN. Great. Uh, ExpressVPN does not log your data. Uh, uh, if you go with a cheaper VPN, that might be something that's going on. 
ExpressVPN developed the technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. Impossible. Oh. Uh, here's the speed part as well, which I just referenced. It's a key factor. You're, if, you, if you get yourself a VPN that ends up being slow, you'll never use it. And then that sort of screws things up. So you got the privacy component, no information being logged. You don't want anybody sniffing around. You don't want anybody snooping around on your connection. And then for me, the exciting part is unlocking this variety of content. It's available, by the way, on so many platforms. You're going to get on your phone, tablet, computer. You can even install it right on your router so mm -hmm. that everything connected to the router is going to go through the VPN as well. Uh, Windows, Mac, Android, iOS, Linux, or straight onto the router. Internet without borders. You want to experience it. You should experience it. Believe it or not, ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN in the world by the likes of Wired, The Verge, CNET, and many other experts. There's, there's a tons of service to connect to, too. You pick your location, whatever you're trying to unlock, wherever it happens to be, 160 locations, 94 countries, and unlimited bandwidth. Be like me. Use ExpressVPN and watch some content that is hard to watch. And it's a thing that we, by the way, I mean, being in Canada, it happens, man. We've all had this experience, Will, mm -hmm. as Canadians. Yes. But wherever you're watching from, wherever you're uh, living, watching from, I spoke in the past about unlocking BBC stuff. I need to see some BBC stuff every so often. Yeah, once in a while. So. Crack it open. Protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use expressvpn.com slash lou later today because you'll get an extra three months free on a one-year package that's expressvpn.com slash lou later expressvpn.com slash lou later don't forget slash lou later to get three extra months free or you can just click the link in the description it has the slash lou later already in it go have some fun go vpn mm -hmm. new reports say that the google pixel 6 will feature a custom google Whitechapel SOC. Oh, so it's not only Apple that gets to have a custom chip going on. Mm. Well, Apple's a big hardware company. They made a few bucks over the years, Well, mm. They sold a few phones over the years, Well, mm. So it's not quite the same thing that's going on here. This uh, apparently is an effort, a collaboration between Google and Samsung to sort of customize something that, that sort of what they're already working on and a move away from Qualcomm. Now, there's some nice speculation in here. This article, by the way, Ars Technica, Ron Amadeo. Some speculation here that Google may be a little irritated by the fact that it can't push updates easily to its older devices. And having control over the SOC makes that process a little bit easier. Mm. And the reason being, this is one of those advantages that people cite on the iOS side, on the Apple side, is like, I mean, how many people are using old iPhones? Mm. It's out of control. I made a couple of videos once upon a time talking about the best-selling phones on Amazon, and it's all old iPhones. Mm. So people, when they have a trusted brand and they have 
updates that are promised to them it appears they have no problem buying older devices now there's a ton of brand clout associated with apple google doesn't quite have that on the hardware side so i'm not saying it's going to be a one-to-one thing but maybe they feel like getting out in front of this starting that process of having more control over the hardware could build a culture around their brand as well even though we need to remember for apple hardware is their number one priority Google has an entire advertising business, which is their core business, and then this hardware is secondary, so it's going to be tough to do. The report says Google refers to this chip as the GS101, with GS potentially being short for Google Silicon. Uh, It's shared across two Google phones that are currently in development, the Pixel 6 and something like a Pixel 5a 5G. These names are out of control at this point. Mm. Documentation points to Samsung's SLSI division, which is the Exynos team, being involved. And they've been doing, they've been getting closer recently to Qualcomm from, from a performance perspective. You see some of the performance testing that's getting done. Previously in the past, people would be upset if they got the Exynos chip on a Samsung device mm-hmm. instead of the Qualcomm chip. But that gap has been closing a little bit. <laughs> Axios... A report from Axios says the chip is designed in cooperation with Samsung and should be built on Samsung's five five nanometer foundry lines. And it will have commonalities with the Samsung Exynos, including software components, but it will be customized to Google's specifications. Hmm. So it, it could lead to unique features, but it also could just be a thing where it increases Google's ability and control over the hardware to, to to the extent that when it comes to software rollouts and new features, that they're just more capable than they were in the past working with a third-party vendor like Qualcomm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how people feel about this, but uh, I guess Qualcomm won't be too happy about it. There's a customer there. Mm-hmm. But to the, to the, to the consumer... If your hardware and software company is sort of more integrated, maybe your experience improves. Mm -hmm. And maybe Google's able to offer a product ever closer to Apple's promise. Yeah. It's possible. You were a Pixel guy. I am. So. Well, I was. You're going to get this Pixel 6 or what? I'll give it a shot. Okay. Yeah. That's all it takes. Vanilla Android. That's all it takes. You get Willie Do on the platform and then you just watch the sales roll through because... I buy all the phones? Well, no. People take note. They're like, what's Willie Do oh, doing? okay. And then they... they yeah, says, that would make much more sense. They're inspired. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to buy them all, Will. No. It's not how influencer marketing works, Will. No? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, some good news here for Samsung fans, people who may have been considering buying a folding device from Samsung... They have just launched a $200 price reduction Mm. on the Z Fold 2. The company's high-end foldable now costs $1,800 and comes with an additional $200 incentive to help spread the word. A referral program for smartphones? That's Mm. weird, isn't it? But with this device, it kind of makes sense. Because it's the type of thing that the best salesperson for this phone is your pal who's using it. And they're like, I love it. Look at me. I'm folding. I'm flipping. I'm flapping. And then you look at... Where can I get one? Exactly. 
And then they say, let me help you with that. Yeah. I am the referral man. Uh, let's see. Current Galaxy Z Fold 2 5G and Z Flip owners can use this Samsung members app to share a unique referral code with friends or family. And that gives both parties $100 worth of credit to use at the Samsung store towards their purchase. So it's actually 200 split across two people. However, I guess the $1,800 is already a price drop on the website. And then you include the extra 200 bucks. But it's kind of interesting. I mean, Tesla, they had a big referral business going on for a while. And you wonder how that maps out for smartphones. And in, in particularly smartphones like this, which are um, expensive. Mm-hmm. Right? Where Yeah, you want to try to subsidize it in any way. Anyway. Like two grand, holy cow! But anyway, this is better than better than no discount at all. Mm-hmm. Look at those custom colors as well. Well, how would you customize yours if you were to build one right now? What color hinge combo? I would have to go with the basic. I'm very boring. Like no, that. no, no custom. Just like black. That all black. Like uh, like this one right here. All black. Yeah. Because you're aware, you you know, you can customize these. Uh, you know, sure. Yeah. If you scroll down on the right hand side, you'll see your different hinges over there. On the yeah, look at that, metallic silver. There you go. Metallic gold, metallic red, metallic blue. Nah, nothing does it for you. Yeah. All right. Remember, remember when we were looking at that phone, the uh, ROG Five and Five Ultimate. Mm. This was a uh, just a real monster of a phone, trying to essentially dominate every category. Super phone, monster phone, gaming phone. Yeah. I was pretty impressed, honestly. Uh, when you think about a gaming phone, there's a series of specifications that are important to you. You're, you're thinking about cooling. You're thinking about battery life. You're thinking about performance. You're thinking about the display. Mm-hmm. That's a, maybe not in that order, but those are the things that matter to you. Well, the display is a no-brainer on this. You're talking about 144 hertz. Just a blazingly fast display. Um, the performance is, of course, there. Flagship level SOC. Look at me with the coffee. That was super early in the morning. I don't remember when that was. It was like 6 a.m. live stream. All the products that we oh, unboxed. Man. We got another one coming up, by the way. Quick teaser. Is that Thursday? Yeah. We, we got another early morning live stream. So I don't know. Maybe there's a giveaway. You should go check that out on Unbox Therapy. Be ready. Anyway, the, the, the feature I want to talk about is the battery because this thing had this mega 6,000 milliamp hour battery in it. Mm. And there's a lot of people talk about battery life, even outside of gaming phones, but it's even more important on gaming phones because obviously gaming is sucking up that battery even quicker than a lot of other functions, even beyond video. And so this has a two times 3,000 milliamp hour layout. So you have... 65 watt uh, fast charging two separate battery cells in there but cnet uh, recently ran a battery test on it and came up with some some pretty amazing figures for battery life listen to this rog phone 5 continuous video playback on airplane mode clocked an average of 20 hours and 15 minutes with the screen locked at 120 hertz 
if the screen refresh was set to auto, that's the dynamic mode that would be shifting depending on what's happening in the, on the phone. It averaged 28 hours and four minutes. Wow. 20. I'm saying it's playing video. Huh. The whole time it's playing video. Yep. Holy cow. This is maybe, uh... it's maybe a not charge everyday phone for somebody like me. Mm-hmm. That is... Uh, you should use it. That's really promising right there. Yeah. Give it a shot. The longest... This is the longest time for any phone that's been tested this year by CNET and the second longest time of any phone in the past few years, which actually that position was held by the LG V60. Hmm. Shout out LG RIP. Maybe. RIP maybe. We'll yeah. see. They still have a chance to make the phone call. Remember, we were going to do the consultation. Yeah. It's a conference call. Myself and Willie do. Mm -hmm. uh, hashtag save LG smartphones. Can you imagine? That's right. Come on, Will. Remember, you said you just said all, all has to happen. You just have to buy them all. Yeah. You just I'll, I'll support the cause. Buy the entire inventory. You're all set. Okay. Now, speaking of gaming phones, gaming in general, mobile phones are the number one device for gamers. Gaming overall by a long shot. Really? That kind of makes sense because of how many phones are out there and the global distribution. Mm. But actually, this believe it or not, this study here is just the U.S. Oh. Coronavirus pandemic led to heightened gaming usage and viewership of gaming video content in 2020, with mobile phones being the most popular device for gaming in the U.S. We expect there will be 159.1 million monthly mobile phone gamers in the U.S. this year. There's only 350 million people in the U.S. Mm. That means practically everybody's gaming on their phones, which is kind of funny because I'm not doing that much gaming on my phone. But those are, I got those other platforms too. Sure. If I am going to pick up a game. and Who even knows what constitutes a game? Yeah, because I was thinking like puzzles. It's everything. Like jigsaw I think puzzle. it's I think it's everything. Everything. Um... I That's, guess it's categorized in like the app store and play store, you know? 89.5% of all U.S. digital gamers are gaming mm. on a mobile phone. And it continues to increase. So, you know, like a percent or a percent and a half each year. Mm. It's, uh, it's popular because it's readily available. I mean, this makes sense. That makes sense. It's too easy compared to other gaming platforms. Now, right. here we have a breakdown, another chart, breakdown by age, mobile gamer growth in North America by age. Look at the <laughs> 2 to 12-year-olds, they're, they're up 9%. 13 to 24-year-olds, less so. Huh. But look at the 45-plus. Oh, wow. The, el the elder statesman types. <laughs> That's yourself. You're in that category, Well, Yeah, I like my Sudoku. You're, you know, you're trying to stay sharp. Mm-hmm. 45 plus. Yeah, I'm not playing the Fortnites or no, 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 PUBGs, no, no. but... That's right. I love a Sudoku. It kind of makes sense, though. That's the yeah. that's another group that's been locked down a little bit more. And they may have been doing other things for entertainment, maybe more travel, maybe more restaurants. And then they're like, all right, I got to pick up these games now. Yeah. Stay sharp. Anyway, that's a big market. Mobile games. We already knew it. You already knew it. What's his next one? Oh, the P story, the Amazon P story. 
Apparently, Amazon has apologized for lying about P. They knew about the P. Uh, this story, which we originally covered, was uh, pictures were emerging, documents and actual water bottles filled with P. And they're saying, well, yeah, these Amazon employees, delivery drivers have nowhere to pee, so they just pee in the bottles. Uh-huh. And But they didn't talk about the poo. The poo. No. The one. Well, that, because you don't, I mean, that's not as frequent throughout the day. Yeah. You can you can handle that, but I guess before the shift starts and then. It's coming. You, you just got to get a, that on a tight schedule. Yeah. But I think, I feel like it's coming. The story? Yeah. In bags. Oh, man. You know. That would be not, that would not be a good story. That's worse than the P story. Yeah. But the P story, it was kind of weird the way that they covered it. Like, uh, they issued an apology, I guess, to the government, sort of, because they were being pressured by uh, uh, Mark Pocan, who is a, a representative. And I guess originally he said that never happens, and then more evidence emerged, and they were like, all right, sorry, we told you that. We know you're a high-profile person. They, they kind of apologize to him instead, and people want them to apologize to more people. I don't know who they're supposed to apologize to. It's a very weird story. Um, Amazon is so efficient and tracking so much that they, they know everything you're doing on the clock at all times, and people are trying to get a leg up, mm -hmm. and they're just peeing in the bottle. They're like, I got to get all this stuff done. And you and I were talking about how it must be so weird to be on this tight schedule you're in this vehicle and it's hard to find a public restroom right now because mm -hmm. a, a lot of the restaurants and things that are open, they blocked off the restroom mm -hmm. around here at least. And so you're thinking, okay, what are you doing? The side of the road? Or even that's even worse. Cause then people are saying, now we got the Amazon guys on the side of the road every time. Yeah. It's not a good look either. So I was kind of confused. I'm like, they got to build restrooms or sign deals in every place they're doing business where maybe with a franchise, I don't know who, which franchise it would be that they would say, look, I know the bathrooms are closed, but for our drivers, we want to cut a deal that they're going to be open for them. Right. Something like this. But anyway, I guess this is a sort of admission that they know that it's going on, the water bottle peeing, but that they're, they're not, it's not a big time admission instead it's a very specific one to a uh -huh. specific individual and i don't know how they would rectify it i don't know how you really i mean i guess you could make it punishable you say if you pee in that damn bottle that we're gonna have a problem mm -hmm. because and then and then some people would say well why don't you just shift the schedule but i'm still saying it's tough to find a place to pee yeah in general if you're out in public right now outside of driving home or to your office or wherever you do work, where are you peeing right now? Yeah. This is a serious question. Everyone just has a bottle with them. When is the last time Willie Do peed somewhere other than here or at your house? Yeah, exactly. It's almost been like a year, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Maybe longer than that. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard to eat. I know because I got the kids. They're always uh, anywhere you go. They're like, well, I gotta go pee. Yeah. And you're like, oh, hey, here's a bottle. Nowhere to pee. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. actually my car that's full of the bottles. <laughs> yeah. You got uh, empty. I'm that producing out. all the images over here. Yeah. 
So it's a, it's not as straightforward as it seems. It's not it's not just that people are being overworked. It's not just that it's a super tight timelines on these jobs. It's also it's it's kind of a stupid hard thing to do right now. Mm -hmm. Would it be offensive for Amazon to build like a little no. personal porta potty? Yeah, that's what they got to do. You're right. In that's cheap. Truck? That's cheap enough. No, no, not in the truck. They do stations. Oh, sta yeah, stations. Stations, yeah. and then the station would have porta potties. It's not going to be pleasant. The bottle might be more pleasant mm -hmm. than than the porta potty stations. But no, it's exactly you're exactly right that they would do. Because they're all about efficiency. Yeah, right? empty parking lots in different regions, and it sure. would all be mapped on the nav. Yep. Here's where the porta potties are. Yeah, you're right. We solved it. Yeah, there you, there go. you go. Here's an exclusive story from Reuters, your favorite news source. That's an old meme. That's an old Lulator meme. What did you call it? What was it? What hey, is? we both called it routers. Didn't we? You you said routers. I said routers. Yeah. Reuters. Rootin' tootin'. Reuters. Reuters. Courtesy of Reuters. India is offering more than $1 billion in cash to each semiconductor company that sets up manufacturing units in the country. It seeks to build on its smartphone assembly industry and strengthen its electronic supply chain, two officials said. Hmm. I don't know if you knew, Will, but there's a real, a real chip shortage going on right now. It's affecting all kinds of industries, not just smartphones, uh, cars, uh, anything with a chip in it. GPUs. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of shortages. There's a lot of shortages going on right now. Yeah. And it's become a situation where you could, places can lose some real advantages if they're not on the first list of where this stuff happens to be going next. Hmm. If there's no preference there. And so in a move very similar to how India was incentivizing the assembly or at least a portion of the assembly for the smartphone business, there's a feeling there that if, okay, if we control a certain element of this or if a certain amount of this happens domestically and it's incentivized in the correct way, then we can alleviate some of the risk factors involved. I mean, here we have a rapidly growing economy. We're going to need access to this. And if we're importing all of it, we're at risk. Hmm. So let's just start taking billions of bucks and attempting to get some of that business to take place here. Some of that manufacturing to take place here. That's the idea of it. Now, the other advantage here is that actually the paragraph right above there, if you scroll up, right there, you stop there. If, the chip happens to be made uh, locally. It will have its own designation as being what they're calling a trusted source. Hmm. And then that trusted source pr product would have a trade advantage of being allowed to be used in CCTV cameras and 5G equipment. Because they would say, oh, it was manufactured here so we know it's safe. I see. And so there's a further incentive. So you get the billion bucks, then you start making the chips, and then you get the big contract because mm. you got the badge on it. So they're making whatever moves possible to attract this business mm. to the tune of a billion bucks. So you better get your chip company together and get your butt over there, Will. All right. Uh, speaking of the shortages, it's actually going to affect the vehicle I want over here. The, the Ford Raptor. 
apparently production is going to be shut down of the F-150 Raptor for two weeks beginning April 5th. Oh. Ford confirmed five other North American plants continue to suffer chip shortages. Kansas City Assembly Plant, Chicago Assembly Plant, so this is also affecting other F-150s, Explorers, and Lincoln Aviators. This is the stuff I'm talking about. You have these chips. Think about all the industry that, that needs them. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. That's the next-gen Raptor, by the way. I don't know if they're talking about production of the previous version or the new one. Right. But uh, they need these uh, they need these semiconductor chips because they control critical systems, obviously, inside, uh, even in a traditional gasoline-powered vehicle. It's all, all type of computer components in there with your nav and Bluetooth and mm. various other critical systems. Look at the interior there. How much better is that than the current one? I, the, I can't compare. I don't have one. What do you mean? You drove the you drive mine all the time. I don't time. remember. So what happens now? The screen got a lot bigger. Still not as big okay. as on the Ram. The da- in the dash, that's all screen now behind the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. See that? Oh yeah. The I hope I don't know about the Raptor, but in the regular F one fifty, there's a feature where the Drive selector folds down completely flat. Oh. And then you can fold over the center console to make a large work surface in the middle. Like you could put a laptop there. Oh, I see. Or your fast food. Right. Folds over top that whole extra section there, creating a long table. Oh, cool. You're not excited enough little, for me, Will. A little dining table. You're not excited I, enough I for really me. like the windows. Mm. It's just open space. Oh, when you're up in the F-150. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It's a lot of glass. Yeah. It's, it's nice. nice. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's the new one. They're going to need these chips, though, or else they're not going to be able to make it. And uh, everybody, I guess everybody wants some of this action. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of vehicles, this next one might be the coolest looking vehicle ever. Ever? I don't know. The McLaren Speedtail. Have you seen it before? You probably yeah, have. On Manny's channel? Did he show it off? I think he bought one. The Speedtail? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, here we have an unboxing video of the McLaren Speedtail. So you know that caught my attention. Mm. It, it actually shipped in a crate. And the spec on this one was enough to, well, yeah, catch my attention. This is obviously a very rare vehicle. And you can check out the way they did the unboxing. By the way, this is a $2.4 million car. Is that right? Made in the exact numbers, the iconic uh, McLaren car, the Speedtail was quickly spoken for, despite the $2.4 million price tag. So, yeah, click there, at this link, where it says at this link. There you go. So it was posted actually to Facebook, which is a bit odd. And it doesn't actually have that many views either. So here's how it shows up. Check this out. Imagine this experience. A giant crate. And it's not like, you know, we've done car unboxings in the past where you work with the company and you do some elaborate packaging that isn't real, Mm -hmm. but looks cool. This is actually how the car ships in this case, which is better. Yeah. With the cameraman, camera crew editing as well. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the the camera crew is obviously extra, but this is how it's delivered to you. That's cool. If you buy it, it's coming in this 
this crate and I love this spec with, I guess it's like silver with the black on top and you can wait to see when they pull it out. I mean, this thing, it's just got that, that tail on it. Mm. I mean, hence the name speed tail, but it's quite a cool look. Yeah. So this one was ordered by this company Avondale group. And I guess they have a collection of cars and premier collection. They'll put it back up for sale. And that's the thing with these, a lot of, uh, people buying them is go, to go into the collection and it could actually appreciate in value because of how limited it is. Hmm. What do you think about the look? Look right there. Pause that. Pause that. Get out. Get out of town. Get <laughs> out of my face. That's also what Manny said too. Will, get out of here. No, seriously. Get out of here, Will. <laughs> All right. I'm on my way. What do you think, man? It's really cool. Yeah. Speed tail. It's so appropriate it's, name. It's too. unique. Yeah. It almost looks like it could drive in either direction. Yeah. Whoa. I, uh, one of the cool features I uh, heard was it has electromagnetic glass or something like that where it can tint. Oh, cool. Automatically. Nice. Or you can control it, but it can become more opaque. Depending on the circumstance, how yeah. sunny it is, whatever. Yeah. Tint on demand. Super cool. I like that. Chipotle is sort of embracing the Bitcoin thing a little bit. They are going to give away a bunch of Bitcoin. They got a, a program going on. What do they call it? Bitcoin. Burritos or Bitcoin? Which one do you pick? That's an easy one. Burritos. <laughs> really? Oh, the site doesn't work. Are you sure? <laughs> Did you type it correctly? I copied it. Anyway. They're not accepting Bitcoin, but they want to, I guess, they want it to be a part of, of uh, some of the Bitcoin hype. Sure. So they're just like, well, why don't we just give away some Bitcoin? You could win a free burrito or 500 bucks in Bitcoin or up to 25,000 in Bitcoin. Okay. Maybe it's just a play on the bees, like burrito and Bitcoin. Like they kind of feel good together. Is that maybe what's going on there? The bees? Like that they both start with a B? Oh, bur bur uh, like the campaign is called burritos or Bitcoin. Right. Um, sure. I'll take it. All right. But you're going for the burritos. Definitely. <laughs> so participants had 10 chances to guess a six digit code for a chance to win big. And those who failed to crack the code were still getting some kind of special offer from the company anyway. Hmm. I think they should just accept Bitcoin. There you go. That'd be, you get the press anyway. You don't have to give anything away. Yeah. Or I guess Visa's going to take care of that for them. Or MasterCard or whoever's going to make this whole Bitcoin thing easier. Yeah. Speaking of crypto, Bitcoin is not the crypto of choice for Mr. Mark Cuban, who has once again doubled down on his love of Ethereum. Mm. He says, I think it's the closest to a true currency. Now he has his own set of incentives, I'm sure. NFT marketplace site that he invested in, super rare. It was 9 million bucks. And then I'm seeing he's advertising on his Twitter account this new new site, lazy.com, which is a lazy way to show off your NFTs. So this is sort of like your, your NFT art gallery hmm. where, where you can brag about what you've got. So I, I guess this is his pinned NFTs over here. So it's like, man, a lot of... You can tell he loves, he loves Ethereum. 
It's a guy. Sure does. It's a guy who loves Ethereum. You create an account, an account, connect your wallet, and that's it. You get a unique lazy.com URL, which you can put in your Instagram or Twitter bio. And uh, yeah, advertise how nifty you are. Hmm. Boston Dynamics is showing off some very practical robots. No dance moves here. Just a robust factory where, or warehouse worker moving boxes to the tune of like, I don't know, 800, 800 an hour or something. Hmm. Like some, some crazy, it says, says so in the video, but this is, well, this guy's coming for your job. He's coming for all of our jobs, Will. Can't, yeah. you, can't you tell? Look at him. He doesn't get tired. Him, her, it, whatever. Call him Bob. Bob. Boston Bob. There you go. And he's just out of control. He goes, bang, 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 bang. Get tired. Anyway, apparently there's some research and they were asking what the big, like they were looking for the big requests. Where could, could robotics help you out? What are the toughest jobs apparently unloading unloading containers is one of those jobs and you mm. can imagine if these are heavy boxes that's a bit of a that's that's a tough gig every single day of your life uh-huh very so, repetitive as well very repetitive so the robot steps in and you know what the robot doesn't get bored will robot doesn't get no. tired robot doesn't get bored and you know what else the robot doesn't take a lunch break you know what else the robot uh, doesn't pee in a bottle <laughs> yeah so we can all complain about these bottles and uh, meanwhile, Bezos going to be hooking up with these robots. They, they don't leave no bottles behind. Mm. Think about that for a second. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so obviously it makes sense. It's kind of actually, it's actually kind of weird that we didn't see more Boston Dynamics robots with an immediate practical application. Like as much as cool as the robot dogs are, it was, you see people showing them off what they're doing. It's kind of... From a on the usefulness scale, it was like, oh, yeah. they're mapping out this room, or they're. You would see the promo video, and as cute as the dog was, it's like, oh, it's carrying a single cinder block. Right, opening doors for other. It's cool. Spots. It was cool for law enforcement, whoever else. Yeah, but this is real application. This is this is like all of a sudden Amazon calls them up and orders six thousand of these, mm -hmm. and they're just unloading containers forever into eternity now one thing i will note about this demonstration every single box is the same dimension so yeah they need to work on various types of boxes and maybe they do but but maybe there are companies where that they would receive containers full of the exact same part right or the exact same box size something like that but tremendous efficiency your days are numbered will yeah here we go a rough one that I just want to mention, because I grew up, I listened to DMX when I was a youngster. Yeah. That was when you were... Rough Riders? That was when you were uh, rebellious, or whatever. It's like DMX. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Rough Riders. Yeah. Stop. Drop. Shut them down. Oh. No. As a Rough Riders roll. You know? Oh, man. Sure. Uh, memories. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and also Belly. That's another one. I would watch that movie. Mm. Belly DMX was in that. Yeah. 
Uh, he, yeah, he's in rough shape right now. He's in rough shape right now. Apparently, his prognosis is not looking good. He had a an overdose, and uh, his children are flying in to see him. He was resuscitated for 30 minutes. Paramedics had, had tried. He's, on, he's like basically on life support. Mm-hmm. And apparently the lack of oxygen has severely impacted his brain. He, there's not a lot of brain activity going on, according to reports. Uh, he collapsed at his home. I guess it was last night at this point. And he's in critical condition in the ICU. Um, I suppose this is his publicist saying this or somebody on his behalf. It says Earl has been a warrior his entire life. This situation represents yet another road he must conquer. The Simmons family, his real name, Earl, Earl Simmons, appreciates the overwhelming outpouring of heartfelt love, encouragement, support, and prayers for Earl. Earl is someone whose life and music have been a source of inspiration and strength to so many people around the world. It is reassuring to see his fans return that same passion and energy to him during his time of need. So I, I hope uh, something positive takes place over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, well, it's just a tough way to go out, man. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, they're all tough ways, but it's just, you, you do a lot of things in your life and then, uh, well, it's just unfortunate is yeah. what I'm trying to get at over here. Now, he hasn't been in the spotlight all that much recently. He did have that uh, legend versus legend show, show off, showdown, uh, him and Snoop. I don't know if you caught that. I think it was on Instagram. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they had a a battle of their hits. Hmm. So that was kind of cool. It looked like, you know, a couple of, a couple of experienced, couple of legends, couple of older dudes. Yeah. Do, doing it for old time's sake. Bunch of people checked in on that. Yeah. Look at these old fits that he's wearing, you know? Yeah. The Crazy. Baggy, the baggy pants. You, I look at this and all, I'm just so hot to look at that indoors. That last outfit, I am so hot to look at that indoors. Yeah, but and it's denim too. Oh baby, yeah, it's no. it's a lot lot going on. But there's been been many looks over the years, as you're aware. Look at that! Oh. See now, I could get with that look. <laughs> wow, cool. Yeah, hopefully he uh, gets yeah. through this. We can't play any DMX right now, but I'll play some DMX. Uh off the air and you yeah and just uh best wishes and and uh yeah i guess just shout out i guess everybody's i guess just root root for him at this point root for him to something positive to some positive news uh now i i suppose i picked this next story because it got me thinking of childhood hip-hop stuff but uh, this is p diddy and this is kind of a tech element to this story where he couldn't travel to his son's birthday party, so he did one of these hologram things. Hmm. Have you seen these before? Yeah, the most famous one was the Tupac. I think Coachella. So I think this one's a bit different. It's a company called Portal. Okay. And it looks like it's an it's a whole structure that the hologram sits in. And the way this works for about sixty thousand bucks, uh, 
they dubbed themselves the world's first and only single passenger holoportation machine. And I guess did they for that money, I guess they'll deliver it. They'll make sure it gets there. Now, it does to us on video kind of just look like a video playing. Yeah. But if you're in the presence of it, there's more dimension to it. It looks like a person is in the box, I think. Hmm. Or are they in front of it? I don't, it's hard to tell on this video. Yeah. Is it kind of like the 3DS? Like the kind of like a 3D layer? Like you can't really see it on film, but once you in, see person, it in person, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, of it course, kind of clicks. It will definitely be something like that. Uh, he appeared as a life-size 4K interactive hologram, beamed into his son's Thursday night birthday party. His son's 23rd birthday gives him well wishes, and uh, I don't know if it's a two-way communication or if it's just a video that's playing. Hmm. I feel like I read something in here that it was a two-way, like he could so hear it's live. that he could hear what was going on. Am I crazy? Did I read that? Well, I wouldn't be surprised. It would be really cool, though. It does say Portal beamed him in live Thursday night. Live would be amazing. Yeah, he's actually there. Uh, and there's a two-way communication. Oh, it must be because there's a mic up top. Look at the mic. The shotgun oh, yeah. mic. Oh, that's cool. That's really like actually being there if that's the case. Oh, I mean, not act, but as close as you're going to get. So, oh, so many paparazzi. Yeah. The reason he couldn't be there, if you're wondering, apparently he traveled to Florida and there's still certain issues around travel and the birthday party was in LA. So, right. But happy birthday to Diddy's son, Junior. Uh, how about this one, Will? Since we're on TMZ for a bit here, how about an eagle hunting down a seagull? I don't know if you signed up for that today. No, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, well, eagles are... An eagle is a bird with talons and a sharp beak. Uh. It's a predator. And I think an eagle could probably pick up Otis over there. Eagle? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, their wingspan is... You ever intense. you ever worry about that? You're out at the park. You ever like look up? We don't have any crazy. Oh, oh it's just running along, uh, dude. In my neighborhood, I've yeah, seen. Yeah, you got some. Oh, baby, mostly hawks, but I've also seen a lot of those turkey vultures. You ever seen these around here? What uh, are they again, dude? It is a it is a big bird, and for some reason, well, not for some reason. I mean, they're just they're not afraid. I was going to say, for some reason, they're not afraid of me. But why? what reason they had to be afraid? I'm not going to do chase it down. How scary is that? Now, this mostly eats the roadkill. Right. So it's not really a threat in that way. But it is a big bird. And you will catch it every so often around here. Well, you will catch real turkeys, too. Never mind turkey vultures. Yeah, give us a size on that. Yeah, it's a pretty big bird. There's a human. There's a it's turkey like, vulture. Uh, up to your thigh. Yeah, something like that. It looks robust too. And it's got the, you know, the what would you call it? It's a, about a bald head. Yeah. A red, like a red. Oof. Yeah, it looks very uh <laughs> haunting. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so in this case, it's an eagle versus a seagull. And it's on a golf course. Okay. 
And of course, you know, since you're an avid golf player, an eagle is a great thing in golf. Yes, it is. But an actual eagle is not something you typically expect to see on a golf course. So last time I saw a bald eagle like that, I was in Alaska. I told this story already. Hmm. But I don't know. Can you play a bit of the clip? You can play a bit of the clip. So the eagle is chasing the seagull a little bit. The seagull's just getting tired. Seagull's like, damn, I think I'm dead. And the eagle's like, yeah, you are. Yeah, matter of fact. The eagle's like, yeah, you know, I'm just fine. Boom, done. Of course, the golf the golfers stop playing golf. You see this stuff going on. Hmm. I think we got the point. I mean, you're just going to see it sort of rip its head off now. And- oh, so it's it wasn't a battle? Did, did, like I, did, I, did I did I did I pitch it? Uh, no, no. Seagull doesn't stand a chance. What's a seagull gonna do? Oh. Seagull didn't have those talons going on. I thought his buddies were gonna. Oh, come. look at this. This was actually in Vancouver. Look at that. Oh, Canadian story. The seagulls they flock with like a crew, don't they? <laughs> yeah, the crew's not bagging you up. Uh, the eagle shows up. Yeah. But you know, I've always been uh, obsessed with the the big bird little bird thing. When I see little birds chasing a hawk. In, in, in my neighborhood or whatever, I, I'm always mesmerized. Like, why is the hawk seemingly running away from the little bird? And and the hawk won't bother to chase the little bird. They're too nimble or something. I don't know what it is, but right. the seagull, they're like, yeah, I got you. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. So anyway, you can scroll down. There's a couple of other images, maybe one other key image there. You can see complete dominance. Incredible animal, incredible bird. I wouldn't want to mess with one. No. And Otis would definitely not want to mess with one. No, no. Tell you that right now. All right, Will, it's a question for you. No. <laughs> I was about to oh. pose it. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, go ahead. All right. <laughs> I had one more. 